is everybody doing this morning? Hallelujah. Well, Father, we just thank you for the great time we've already had this morning, but right now we're about to open your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is alive. It is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides between what are our thoughts and what are your thoughts. And God, this morning, we don't want our thoughts. We want your thoughts. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask for revelation, knowledge, and wisdom to flow. We ask for it right now, and we receive it liberally in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, take hold with us. Whatever needs to come out, that's what comes out. Whatever needs to be preached this morning, I thank you, Father, that that is what gets brought to the forefront. Whatever direction we need to go, God, we just commit ourselves as your vessels right now to follow, to flow, and to listen. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, are you ready to continue on in our series on the nature and the character of God? I've lost track of how many weeks this is, and I'm going to try and speed it up a bit today. And uh, as I was meditating on, you know, all the things we've covered so far and what we still have to cover, I was thinking, well, God, if I was coming at this from a traditional mindset of like, you know, what is normally said about the character of God, what would people normally think if you ask someone, you know, what's God like? And I, I remembered the, the three O's that are generally popular, that God is omnipotent, he is omniscient, and he is omnipresent. And, you know, those, those are very uh, uh, big words, and they, they seem pretty fancy, but I was thinking about that. When you think about those words, what do they actually mean to you, and what do they actually mean about him? You know, because oftentimes we can use words to make things sound fancy, but they don't mean a, a whole hill of beans to us, right? Where it's like, okay, how does that help me? That's what we were saying last week when we got to the end. How is this relevant to me here now? El Shaddai blessed Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Paul said that blessing came right upon you. It's, it's not relevant for you today. It's not relevant at all, right? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so how have these three attributes, if they're, if they're the famous way to look at the character of God, how have they already been displayed? Well, without even realizing it, we looked at the first one, omnipotent or all-powerful, last week when we were doing El Shaddai. I am Almighty God. I am El Shaddai. I am the God with all might and power. I am the all-sufficient one. I am the self-sufficient one. And because of that, I can nourish and sustain and bring growth to many. I'm not limited to just one. I can look across all the world and all of my sons and daughters, and I can sustain growth and bring nourishment and fulfillment to each and every one of them. When Abraham was needing a son, God said, I'll bring nations. And so God thinks bigger because he's the almighty God. And when you take almighty God or El Shaddai, when they translated it into Latin, for the Latin Vulgate, it was, I am Dios omnipotens, which is where we get our word omnipotent. And so when you think of God, he's omnipotent. He is your El Shaddai. Come on. He is the, he is the great God. Hallelujah. So we've already covered omnipotent. And this morning, I think, why don't we look a little bit at omnipresent? And what does that mean? He is everywhere all the time. That's a scary bit of a thought, though, <laughs> you know? Because the, 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 re the reality is, does that mean in your worst day, on the worst thing you've ever done, God was right there? Yes. 
come on. You know, there's some things like you don't want people to know about you. God knows them because he was right there. And so through that aspect, I want to go right back to our redemptive names of God. And I'm going to try and cover two today. Can you believe with me that we can get two? Come on, it took us four weeks to get through Jehovah Jireh. Can we do two today? And if we go to the book of Ezekiel, and the very last chapter of Ezekiel, and the very last verse, to give you a context of what's going on, Ezekiel is writing at the beginning of the exile period of the nation of Israel. They've been carried off in slavery to Babylon, and Ezekiel is prophesying of why it happened, and what's going to happen next, and looking forward to what is coming. And so, to give you some context, Jerusalem has been laid waste. They knocked down the walls, they tore down the temple, the beautiful temple that they loved, and, uh, and it's just laying in ruins. And Ezekiel, in chapter 48, begins to prophesy and look ahead out of his moment of, it's kind of in desperation and despair, like, God, everything that was great about this nation has been destroyed. Where are you? And God begins to open his eyes to see the city rebuilt and the temple restored and he begins to say we're going to make this wall this long and so many cubits high and you're going to restore and build the temple and he gets to the last verse of chapter 48 the last verse of the prophecy of Ezekiel and he says and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there where we get our next redemptive name of God and we said redemptive names of God are names that reveal an unchangeable aspect of his character and so what is the Lord is here what is he saying it's the word Jehovah Shammah the Lord is who is present the Lord who is present not the Lord who will be present but the Lord who is present the self-existent one who reveals himself is present it's an unchangeable aspect of his character that even right now right here he's present with you you know we can look to other verses of the bible to corroborate that he says if two or three are gathered in my name there i am in the midst of you i will never leave you nor forsake you he goes wherever you go there's nowhere that you can go where he is not and so he is present in the good, in the bad, in the mediocre. God is present. But when you think about that, when someone's around, what does that mean to you? Well, it depends on who the person is, right? It depends on what they've come to do, right? You know, if you've got someone who's showed up to disturb things and cause a problem, you don't want them around. Well, that's not God. God didn't come to stir your life up and to cause problem. We know that that's the thief who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. God didn't come to stir a problem. He also didn't come just to sit back and say, I just want to see what you're going to do. You know, you ever know, been doing something and like, you know, someone was just kind of like watching you and you're kind of like, could you please help? You know, you, you see me moving all these boxes, but yet you're standing over there doing nothing. Oh, I just came to watch. <laughs> God's not like that either. You know, in uh, Psalm chapter 46, verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, and he is a very present help in trouble. So not only is he present, he has come to help if we'll let him. 
You know, we can go to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, where it's a famous verse. And he says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And again, that's great. Go, so God, you're here and you're not going to go anywhere. But how does that benefit me? And sometimes it's worth just reading the next verse. In a lot of things, in a lot of our popular verses, if we just go one more verse, it gives much better perspective. He says, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what men can do to me. So he's saying, God, you are present and you will never leave. And because of that, I can have some boldness. I can have some confidence. I can be like whatever situation I walk into, I didn't come here alone. Come on. It's like the old gunslinger, you know how they, they walk into the saloon and they, and they come through the, the swinging doors and it's kind of like it's just the one. But then when you look off in the background, he came with his deputies too. It's not just the one. He didn't come alone. When you walk into whatever situation, you're not there in your own strength, your own ability, and you're not alone. We can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Yes. Not even we can kind of say, or maybe say, or might say on the odd occasion, no, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's almost like a dare. What do you think you can do? Come on. Who do you think you are? You think you're going to cause a bump in the road? No, I flatten bumps. <laughs> and so one of the unchangeable nature of God is that he is present. And he always will be present. There's never a moment in your life, no matter how much you may feel alone, it doesn't make you alone. And that's one of the things the enemy likes to push hard on us is that I feel like I'm all alone. There's nobody here besides me. And we get into a pity party. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. Nobody's here. And then it's like, wait. He's here. He's here. And if everybody else forsakes you, you've got one who never will. And his wisdom is better than everybody else who left you. His ability to help is better than everybody else who walked out the door. And so the nature of God is to be present in the good and in the bad. And I've said this many times in the past, that a lot of times in Christianity, we have a God is distant mentality. And it comes out in our prayers, God, if you could just come and help me. We should change that perspective and be, God, because you're here, I thank you that you'll help, you're helping me right now. You're helping me in ways that I haven't even recognized. You're moving things around behind the scene that I haven't even come to the realization that has happened yet. Come on, you know, when, when, when you walk into miracles, you don't always know what has already happened behind the scene before you even prayed, before you even spoke to God. He was already do, 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 doing things, just waiting for you to believe. Hallelujah. And so God is not far away. And that's one of, one of the accusations that Elijah did when he took on the, on the prophets of Baal. He mocked them and said, well, maybe your God's on a trip and he's gone away or he's in the bathroom. You know, that's, if he can mock another God that way, it's because God is not that way. God is present right now. And he's also present in spite of how good you've been or how bad you've been. 
And that's a hard one for some Christians to wrap their mind around because we think that what we've done has taken God's presence away from us. You want to debunk that in one story? Let's go all the way back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, when Adam and Eve have sinned, the only sin that mattered, right? Because that was the sin that was passed on through generation to generation until Jesus broke it. After that sin, the sin that caused mankind to fall, God showed up. And in verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So their sin caused God to stay away? No. Their sin caused them to withdraw from God, not God from them. And so no matter what you have done in your life, it hasn't changed God's position. He comes and he'll talk, he'll walk, he'll correct, he'll help bring restoration, but he never separates himself. He comes and he talks with Adam and Eve here, and it goes to the next generation. He talks with Abel and Cain. Cain's a murderer, and he comes and talks with Cain, trying to bring restoration to the situation, and Cain didn't want anything about it. It goes on from generation to generation and gets down to Enoch, and God had such a great time walking and talking with Enoch that he said, Hey, Enoch, why don't you just come home and stay with me in heaven? Let's just, let's just be together nonstop all the time. That's how much God wants fellowship with you. He wants to walk with you whatever's going on in your life. We can fast forward several generations where Moses has delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of Egypt and they've come in and they're beginning to establish their nation and something God says to them in Exodus chapter 25, he says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And a couple of verses later he says, and I will meet with you and I will speak with you because that is important to God. Now, Fast forward several generations later, God puts on David's heart, let's build a big temple. Let's build one that's, that's worthy of how great you are, God. And God says to David, no, you can't do it, but your son Solomon can. And so he builds this amazing temple. If you just read the descriptions, it's just amazing. But on the day that the temple was opened, in 1 Kings chapter 8, it says, And it came to pass, when the priests came out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. The glory of the Lord or the very manifest presence of God filled the place. Why? Because God had come to meet with his people. But everything we just set up until that is under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant. If we jump forward to the testimony that we live in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And so if the presence of God flowed into the natural temple of Solomon so that they couldn't even stand and praise anymore, it's like they had to get out of there because the presence was so thick, that's what came and got on the inside of you. 
We can jump to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, for you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God. And they shall be my people. So wherever you go, the very presence of God goes with you. That ever-present help in time of need is right here with you wherever you find yourself today. And so that has to force us to change our thinking. If the one who is helping is with me, I need to let him help. Maybe I should start listening and say, okay, God, which direction do we need to go? Because I'm sure you know the landscape a little bit better than me. God, should I be thinking a little larger than how I've been? Because I know your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways, and you're present with me. Come on. He, there's, it's something that is unchangeable about his nature. He just can't help but be among his sons and his daughters. Come on, it's, it's just like natural family. We love to get together. You know, uh, Pastor Robin and Wendy were like this weekend, like, can we have all the grandkids and can we take them to the lake house? And, you know, you guys have a weekend off. We want to spend time with them. God's the same way with his kids. I want to be with you. I want to be where you are. Wherever you go, I'm going to go too. And so how much do we want him to get involved? You know, I, lo I love what David said in Psalm 139.7. He said, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. That behold is kind of like, hey, everybody, look at this. I thought he wouldn't be here, but here he is in the midst of hell. And so you can be going through a personal hell and getting like, God, what's going on? And he's saying, I'm right here. He says, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Come on. My right hand shall hold you. That's the hand of power if you didn't know. The right hand is the hand of power. My right hand shall hold you. And David says, if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. David's saying, like, even in the darkest moment, I don't even know if we can call it darkness, because the light of your presence is so bright. He says, indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. And the darkness and the light are both alike to you. Think about that. The darkness and the light are the same to him. The only one who it's not the same to is us. When we feel like I'm going through hell, I like the old country song. I preached a message on a lot. If you're going through hell, keep on going. You might get out before the devil even knows you're there. <laughs> and that's the thing. We, we are like, it's so dark. And everything's so bad. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm prone to it too. I, I, I have pity parties and I have moments where I'm like, oh, it's just not working. Like this week, Pastor Wendy called to chew me out. She's like, come on, you got to pick up your head. You got to keep going. You got to, come on. And that's great. I love that she'll, she'll do that. Because we get so out of focus when we focus on everything but Him. 
He's not dark. The darkness doesn't change him. So we should move ourselves and latch on to the thing that doesn't change. And so how do we see this in Jesus then? Because all of these aspects should be demonstrated in Jesus, right? Well, when he was born, it says, And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Not God distant, but God present. Because he's Jehovah Shammah. He is the Lord who is present. And so to, to really bring this as a focus of Jehovah Shammah is what we said in Hebrews 13. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore you may boldly say, Lord, you are my helper. I will not fear what can men do to me. Amen? Wow, I, we got through number one a lot quicker than I thought we were going to do. We're making great progress this morning. <laughs> Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present. But right along with that, if he's present and he is our helper, in which ways does he help us? And that leads us right into our next one we want to cover this morning, and that is he is our Jehovah Rohi or our Jehovah Raha, depending on how you want to translate that, and that is the Lord is my shepherd. This is probably the most famous psalm that this one is revealed in. David um, writes in Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord, my Jehovah, is my shepherd, my Ra'ah, and because of that, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. This is not something that is negotiable on your part. The Lord is your shepherd. And the word Ra'ah that we get the word Jehovah-Rohi from, the first definition of it is to feed and to tend. And so when God is present, the first things he does and the, the, of, of utmost importance to him is to be your supply. He comes to feed and to tend you. When you send a shepherd out into the fields to be with the sheep, what is your expectation? You're expe expecting that they're going to take good care of those sheep. You're going to feed them. You're going to keep them in a place where they can thrive, where they can grow, and where they can multiply because sick flocks don't br bring good value at the market, right? So when the shepherd goes out with the sheep, he's trying to increase the flock. He's trying to bring them into the best environment possible for them to thrive and to grow. You know, I think Garnet could probably tell us a lot more. He handles looking after animals all the time. And Garnet, isn't it true? You, the number one thing is the health of the herd, right? Because a healthy herd produces healthy things and brings healthy returns. And so when it comes to God being your shepherd, he's wanting to move you into a place where you can thrive, where you can grow, and he's going to feed you. He's going to tend you. And this is a very much in contrast to the way that a lot of people look at God. They're like, oh God, he's just letting me go through this hard time because he's wanting to shape me and test me and mold me and make me stronger. No. The shepherd, when he plans the route, he tries to get it to go through the easiest route for the sheep because he doesn't want them to be tired and worn out and broken down. He wants healthy sheep that are producing healthy, healthy wool and healthy meat. 
Not that God's going to sell us off to slaughter. <laughs> That's where the analogy begins to break down. But the first aspect of the, of the shepherd is to take care of the sheep. And so they got to have food. they got to have water. And so throughout the Old Testament, we see this reflection of God being their shepherd. And if we were talking about God being your El Shaddai last week, through Abraham, through Isaac, and through Jacob, and all the way down unto you, well, here's a story where Jacob is, is about to talk to Joseph, his most beloved son. And in Genesis 48, 15, it says, And he blessed Joseph, or he passed that El Shaddai blessing onto him, and he said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day. That word fed is the same word David used. The God who has been my shepherd all of my life to this day even to this day all my life to this day meaning the shepherd doesn't cut out on the sheep that goes back to our first one he's ever present he's been with me he's fed me he's supported me he's guided me he's protected me all of my days to this day Hallelujah. You know, we can look at how Asaph prophesied in, in Psalm chapter 80 in one of his songs. He says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, or O Ra'ah of Israel, who led Joseph like a flock. This is tying the two together. Joseph, or Jacob said, He's been my shepherd all my life. And what he was saying to Joseph is, As he's been with me, he'll be with you. And here it says he did that. He led Joseph like a flock who dwell between the cherubim and shine forth. Behold, Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your strength and come and save us. Restore us, O God, and cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. When the, sh when the shepherd is in present, when he's right there with you, what happens? What did David say? A lion and a bear came to take my sheep. And what did he do to the lion and the bear? He beat them down. Yeah. Come on. And so whatever comes into your life, the shepherd is wanting to get involved. And he's wanting to protect you and keep you and sustain you. The shepherd is present. Come on, let's, let's jump ahead to Isaiah the prophet. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10, it says, Behold the Lord Jehovah... Jehovah's the word used there. The Lord God shall come with a strong hand. Oh, I'm so glad he comes with a strong hand and not a weak hand. And his arm shall rule for him. And behold, his reward is with him. And his work before him, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. Come on. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And so he knows what is the appropriate response to where you're at right now. The little lambs he pulled in his arm. And there's times where God has lifted you up and he's walked with you. And there's other times where he said, 
Come on, lamb, let's go. Let's, let's go. Moving on to the next field. Come on with me. Come on with me. There's times where he's carried you in his bosom. He's held you close, and that's what you needed. You needed that affection. You needed that, that comfort of someone being there. And it says, and he gently leads those who are with young. I mean, he didn't drive the mother saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. He gently led. Come on. There's, there's seasons of our life and where God responds differently. And, but he'll always feed his flock like the shepherd he is. This is a, a really important aspect of the character and the nature of God because it's what's supposed to flow from him and flow to us and flow out from us. He expects us to be gentle like the shepherd as well. And even when, he, when he's talking about ministry gifts, uh, Jeremiah prophesied, he said, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And so when we fast forward to the New Testament and Paul's saying he, he'll give you pastors and apostles and prophets and teachers and, and what they use the word for pastor or overseer or bishop is the word poema, which is shepherd. And so as the father is the shepherd, he reproduces himself and creates shepherds who will lift others up, stand up and protect others. Come on. There are people who religion has beat them down that we need some loving Christians to stand up and say, hey, I'll fight for you. I'll stand in the gap on your behalf. You having a rough day? Come on, let's walk together. And you put your arm around them. Come on, what can I do for you today? How can I help strengthen you and feed you? Can we pray right now? Can we believe that God is already working in this situation? The father's heart rubs off on the father's kids. And so he is our shepherd. He'll never stop being our shepherd. But as the relationship goes on, it begins to develop, and he wants you to grow. He wants to strengthen you. And so there's a second aspect of the definition of ra'ah that we need to look at, and that is he becomes your companion, and he becomes a special friend. He can become a friend to us like no one else on earth can. Just if we go back to his omnipresence, and that he's always been with you throughout every moment of your, of your life, good and bad. You know that when we have certain relationships, there's things we don't tell certain people, right? Come on, am I the only one that's been like, yeah, you're not close enough to know this yet? Well, you can't do that with God because he was already there. There's nothing that's hidden from him. There's nothing that he already didn't know. So it's not like I have to jump through the hoops and be like, oh, I can't say that. He's like, I already know. <laughs> it didn't change my opinion then, and it didn't change my opinion now. And so he becomes a friend and a special companion like no one else can be. And you can keep God at a distance in our emotions and in our thoughts. But God will never keep you at a distance. And so when David is writing Psalm 23, he didn't say the Lord is a shepherd. He said the Lord is my shepherd. There was an acceptance. God, I know you've come to feed me, to tend me, to grow me, to lead me where I need to go. I accept you in that position 
Ooh, there's power to that. When you say, God, I accept you in to be the one who gets to lead. You know, that's not comfortable for everybody. We, we like to be the king of our own castle, right? But there is no greater king than the king of kings. And so David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my friend. He's my companion. He's the one who leads. He's the one who feeds. You know, we think about even Moses. In Exodus 33, 11, it says, And Jehovah spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. He's able to talk with you like no one else can because he knows you. You know, the, in Proverbs, Solomon writes that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So, let's read the entirety of what David was talking about in Psalm 23 as we're wrapping up this morning. And I want to read it out of the message translation this morning. He says, God, my shepherd, and because he's my shepherd, I don't need a thing. Why? Because the shepherd gets me to where I need to be. That goes back to what we were talking about with him being our Jehovah Jireh. We don't need to get worked up about what we don't have. We don't need to be possession conscious, like I need to get this, and I need to be this, and I need to do that. No, my, my biggest calling is to be with my father, to be with the shepherd who leads me to what I need, when I need it, where I need it. He says, you have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. And true to your word, you let me catch my breath. <laughs> and you send me in the right direction. I love that. You ever feel like you've been pushing hard for a while? And it's like, I just need a break, God. I just need a break. That's when he comes. He's like, let's take a break. <laughs> let's have a rest. He knows what you can handle. He says, even when the way goes through Death Valley... I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You served me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head and my cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. God, I'm at home with you. I am at home with you, God. That right with you is where I've been meant to be, which is why you said, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. You know how much we need to depend on you for everything, every day. And so I'm so glad that I'm at home with you, Lord. So how do we see this reflected in Jesus? If all of these things should find their, their absoluteness in Jesus, well, in John 10, in verse 9, he says, I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and I will go in and out and find pasture. He says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I've come that you might have life, and that life more abundantly. Why? Why? I'm the good shepherd and a good shepherd 
gives his life for his sheep. He'll sacrifice whatever needed to be sacrificed. And when it called for Jesus' life, he said, I'll do it. I'll do it because they're worth it. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and Father, I thank you that it's not hard to understand you. It's not hard to recognize your voice and your leading and your direction. Because you're my shepherd. I know your voice. Just as you know me, Lord. You know my heart. You know my way. And you lead me in your grace. And I thank you, Lord. Hold me in your arms. Hold me in your arms. You're a God like no other. Friend closer than a brother. always and you will be with us always you are our shepherd Lord lead me on today just a moment, our, our word care team is going to be up here at the front, Pastor Robin and Wendy today, and they would love to minister to you, they would love to pray with you and whatever's going on, but I just felt there at the end, as his presence just swept into this place, he's wanting to do work on hearts, hallelujah. Kimbrondi si shakobo solimaan bakai Pichomo si lokobo tuki Pichichilama sinta koto lombo Limarono shika kiopo Pachoncho kilana matan Kipapakuchinchini and subu And yes, for in the midst of the storms of life that seem to surround you Pull into my presence Pull in and take cover with me. Pull in and dwell and receive strength from me. Receive the wisdom and the direction that you need from me. When the storm is brewing, I am that safe haven. I am that place of protection. I am the God that's more than enough for you. I am the one that knows you, that loves you, that will comfort you, that will lead you, that will help you, will be with you through every moment of life. I will never, ever, 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 ever forsake you 
or leave you because I love you. You are the bright, shining spark in my eye. Every moment of the day, I wake up to say, oh, they're mine. You are mine. You are mine. And so I just ask, Lord, just that your presence would saturate them. Oh, breathe. Breathe into their hearts the love, the comfort, the strength, the refreshing. For everything that they need this day. You're good. You're good. You're kind. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, if you want to give this morning, you know how to do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. We thank you, As I said, Pastor Robin and Wendy are here. If you need someone to pray with you, agree with you, believe with you, celebrate with you, whatever. If not, let's have some coffee and great conversations and have an awesome week. <laughs>